It's go time. <laughs> Previously on Third Down Gamble. The Toronto quarterbacking situation is so up in the air right now. It's hard to understand if they're going to sign an FA, and if they don't, who are they going to bring into camp to try to win the job? I'd be surprised if they don't go after Nichols. I'm not saying he'll end up there, but I think they certainly uh, are going to have conversation with him. He would give them a veteran presence, and then potentially they could look at developing one of their other quarterbacks. But does Nichols provide you the short porch answer of can we get into the playoffs and the long-term answer of do we have somebody we trust for the future? Third down, Gamble. It's a free agent frenzy, and the typical law of supply and demand is slightly different. The supply is how much under the cap your team is, and how much is the player going to demand. Pat nailed it when he said Matt Nichols would land in Toronto. Three-year deal. Still, there was a lot more at play out east with free agent signings, so let's discuss. First down. It's Wednesday, February 12th, the second day of our free agent frenzy, Don, and uh, there's been a lot of action in the first two days. It has been, I would quote myself as saying, crazy. (laughs) Well, absolutely. Lots of fun, uh, especially for the GMs, I imagine. With that $5.3 million salary cap, uh, there's been a lot of jostling. There's still a number of players out, but uh, let's start by taking a look at what's happening in the East. What were your surprises over these first two days? My biggest surprise, I think, was the depth at which Toronto went after free agents. The Argonauts made no bones about it. They were going to gut the team on some level and then try to improve. And I thought, if anything, they did what they were asking themselves to do. Absolutely. They, they, I mean, you've extended McLeod Bethel-Thompson. He's got a one-year contract. The biggest signing, I would say, is Matt Nichols. So they've solidified themselves a quarterback. Um, both who actually think they're going to be the starting quarterback, Don. That makes for an interesting uh, next little while when we get to uh, training camp. It, it will be fascinating because there's a couple of you know, good-sized egos there, and you have to be if you're going to be a starting quarterback. Mm-hmm. I'm really curious to see how this plays out. Uh, the ultimate decision will probably come down to Dinwiddie, and he, he's no slouch when it comes to recognizing talent in quarterbacks. That's right. They've, they've made some other signings, too. I mean, they certainly have solidified their offensive line, I think. They've uh, added a number of offensive linemen, and I think that's going to help them. They've also given some targets for these guys to throw at. Guys like, uh, well, I mean, Marcus Thigpen is, is a running back. Uh, I, I imagine he's a change of pace back. Certainly there maybe for the special teams. But when you go to Breskison, uh, great target. Another one is Devaris Daniels. I think he will be an outstanding ad. Two years, 200000 he better be. <laughs> yeah. He's, uh, he's making a lot of money. And, you know, of the teams in free agency that really participated with a lot of uh, signings, receivers weren't really out there as a lot of people being signed, and yet Toronto seemed to break that mold and go after them. I think for me, if I was to go with my biggest surprise, I'd have to say it's the Red Blacks. After the first day of free agency, I know you and I were talking, and uh, I, I mentioned I was surprised they didn't really seem to go after anyone. And I hear it's Wednesday night, and really no one has changed since we talked yesterday. Um, perhaps they're actually happy with who they have, but uh, four-win season doesn't really leave one too excited about that. 
it does make you wonder what they believe they have, but they are definitely closer to the situation than you and I will ever be. And I think Ottawa may have the talent pool. It just may didn't have, maybe they didn't have the chemistry. You could argue that. And with Nick Arbuckle as their first big signing after the trade with the Stampeders, they certainly solidified that position. They went after Cleon Lang, which is a great ratio buster in terms of the defensive line. And other than that, they kind of stayed quiet. Abdul Kane comes back. They get him back from Toronto. There's mm-hmm. really mm-hmm. not much else you can talk about. I mean, Chaffee's still out there. Maybe they get him back. Well, I mean, there's still some receivers. And I guess when I'm looking at that, I mean, R.J. Harris comes back. He's going to be solid there, but uh, I think they were lacking a few weapons last year. And, and right now I'd say that's still the case. I mean, signing uh, Anthony Coombs, a good Canadian running back, who's going to be able to be a, a backup. Maybe they've got someone in on their roster right now. I think the pickup of Don Unamba is, is, is strong. That's going to help them in their linebacking core. He's done a good job last year with Edmonton. And, uh, you know, outside of that, you've, you've already mentioned Cleon Lang. I mean, they they're just haven't had a lot. For me, that was extremely surprising given where they ended the year. Yeah, I, I would agree. But we don't know what's going to happen between now and training camp. And there could be still a lot of bodies being signed and brought into camp to maybe bolster the ranks. Uh, if we move mm-hmm. to Montreal, the Alouettes, who were probably the surprise team of the league last year, making the playoffs for the first time in a few years. Mm-hmm. They they kind of went out a little bit late in the game and then went hard once they did. And again, it seems like defense is what the East wanted. Absolutely. Um, you know, the, the big pickup for them is Siante Evans. Um, they're extending him, which, I you know, they're obviously comfortable with that. For me, outside of that, I mean, there are some other additions, but I, I, none really stood out for me as being the people that are going to help them go to the next level. So they must be very comfortable with the players they have. They had a great season, so there's no reason not to be. I would agree, although Mashandrek Hunter or Money Hunter, however you want to know him, I thought that was a kind of an inspired mm-hmm. signing because he's a really, I think, a really charismatic type of person and a really uh, good fit for that team. And, you know, Tommy Campbell's no longer there, so you haven't got that spark plug anymore. You need you need somebody somewhere in that defense to really rally around. Absolutely. What what they do have, I, I think, is a, a fairly explosive offense. We saw that last year, and I think, uh, you know, you can see that they they went heavy, as you said, to the defense. So they must be very comfortable with who they have on offense and uh, are going to continue to build. Let's talk about Hamilton. Hamilton has seven free agent signings this year and uh, only two extensions with six departures. So there, there's some change, but I'm excited about the core that's there. I still see them as being at this point, at least on paper, the best team in the East. Well, they got Larry Dean back into the fold, and that was a huge pickup. And I think that's going to bode well for them. They, again, another team focusing on defense. If you look at the signings and the extensions, they really went hard after defense. They did pick up Devere Posey today, and that, I think, is a nice uh, add. Curious thing, Luke Tasker, not on the radar as of yet. Injury riddled season last year. Where is he going to fit, if he's going to fit, in their plans? That's right. And, you know, I think I said that backwards. I think they've actually had a lot more extensions because when you look at Ja'Garrett Davis, Dylan Wynn, um, you know, wide receiver Brian Jones, DB Courtney Stephen, again, they're keeping with the trend here in the East of, you know, making sure they sign the people they want on defense. I, I would agree. And with 15 wins last year, how do you argue with the personnel? 
the thing is, though, you know when you're a winning team, you're going to be rated as much as possible because there is talent that other teams want. And Hamilton did take a couple of hits, but they managed to fill the holes. They did. And uh, I, I, again, I've told you before, I think they are the strongest team in the East. Um, you know, if you were to rank these teams um, just in terms of free agents where they're standing right now, how do you see the East stacking up, Don? Honestly, I think Hamilton, I would agree, is the top dog. But then second, Montreal. And then how far down do you go to Toronto? I really do believe that Toronto has made a big step up. Mm -hmm. Ottawa, to me, might be a five to six win team. They might even be a seven win team. But I think it's going to be Montreal and Toronto fighting it out for second, Hamilton likely in first. That doesn't mean Hamilton goes back to the Grey Cup. But I do believe that the East is going to be a lot more competitive. I think they won the battle so far in grabbing defensive players off the uh, free agent list. Absolutely. You know, I would go back to Ottawa as well. I think um, they're obviously going to grow their own talent with only two departures this year to free agency. Um, they're, they're looking to build on, obviously, some youth. I imagine they, you know, they're three, the, the salary cap, 5.3 million. Um, they seem to be potentially a little hampered, not going after free agents, but building from within. So we'll see how that works for them. But uh, I would tend to, to agree with you. I see Hamilton one, Montreal two, and then Toronto. And the question is, how far down is Toronto? And, and uh, Ottawa hopefully will pick up a few more wins. But it's it's hard to see as we move uh, to the West. Uh, it's going to depend on how the West comes on, too. Well, the curious thing, too, if you looked at the first four games of the season last year, Ottawa 2-2, two and two, mm -hmm. would you have picked them to finish where they finished? Not at all. I was quite excited by them. Uh, you can remember the game against Saskatchewan. It was just a gunslinging game, and it was... Uh, for me, it was I, I was quite excited about both quarterbacks. So I guess it's going to depend on what does happen in, in Ottawa. Davis is still coming back. So, I mean, he gives them, a, I think, a solid backup behind uh, Arbuckle. But Arbuckle was, had an outstanding season last year uh, when, when Mitchell was injured. And I, I think he can be the person to potentially turn them and give them a few wins on his own. Second down. Out west, I think we saw a little bit of a different story. The teams were less active. The only team that really busted that mold was the British Columbia Lions, but of course they finished last. You're not going to stand pat completely with that lineup, but they addressed some whopping needs on their offensive line and defensive line. That You know, I, I agree with you 100%. The battle is uh, on the lines, and last year the lines uh, let BC down, both offensively and defensively. They weren't as strong as they had been in the past. I think we were expecting more, and we saw when they made a coaching change that their offensive line became much stronger. I think it's one step up now with the addition of Riker Matthews. Absolutely. I think he is going to solidify that offensive line. And when you look at what they're doing on the defensive side of things, they're getting younger and they're getting quicker. They are. And, uh, you know, to me, if, if this builds on what they had, they're going to definitely uh, be able to be in a place, I think, to at least contend for a playoff position, which they were not able to do last year. Well, you've got the best quarterback in my mind in the league, Mike Riley, behind the line. And if he has time to throw, which he didn't have for about three quarters of the season last year, and it's amazing to me how he withstood that onslaught, if he has time to throw, he can pick you apart. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, they've added Chris Rainey as a running back. If you can get a good, strong running game to uh, solidify that so you're not sure what's coming, I think that will definitely help BC as well. Riley cannot go through another year like that. He's too expensive to uh, not protect, and they've done a great job protecting him. Now we jump over the Rockies to the Calgary Stampeders. 
the team that has been the consistent team over the last decade. And we have sort of between us talked about the fact that over the last two years, their entire defensive secondary has waved goodbye. It has, and uh, yet they still seem to be right in the hunt of things. They are uh, a strong team, and Huffnagel's traditionally built from within. Uh, this year, though, he said he would be aggressive, and compared to what he's done in past years, he certainly was. Five free agent signings, um, you know, I think that's going to help them. And for me, the two exciting ones, I guess, are, are the backup quarterbacks. We know that there's going to be a competition now with Arbuckle out of there. Uh, they brought in Prokop and Kozart. Who do you see being the person that's going to lead that team in terms of uh, a backup quarterback? Well, Kozart has been there. Uh, he probably knows the system a little bit better. But Prokop, I thought, showed well in Toronto at times and maybe given the opportunity. Well, let, let's see how he does. I think they've got the weapons. We know offensively they have lost a few people. But at the same point, they seem to always be able to find that next player. Well, they picked up Richard Leonard and Brendan Dozier to help up that secondary, but they've got a long way to go to finish setting up uh, their corners and halves. And I, I imagine they're probably beating the bushes already down in the States looking for somebody, or maybe there's a CIS prospect that's going to come out in the draft that can't miss. Well, you know, I think they're going to have to rely on that because as a young uh, defensive backfield gels of people who haven't played together, they're bound to make a few mistakes. But if they can continue to build like we've seen Calgary do traditionally, I think they'll still be a force to be reckoned. And then we move north to Edmonton and a team that made the playoffs was the crossover team, made the East final and then fired their coach. So and he, of course, now is the offensive coordinator in Saskatchewan, but a very sort of frenetic finish to their season in a way. They uh, come in with Milanovic as their new coach, and you can almost see the stamp starting to be put on the team by his approach. I think Milanovic is going to uh, be a great addition for them. Um, you know, they're a team that should have been up there last year and for whatever reason just didn't seem to gel. So I think some of the key additions that they have this year, Jonathan Mincy, um, you know, you can take a look. They've added another DB in Jermaine Gabriel. So... Hopefully they can continue to uh, build what they have there. Offensively, they've got a lot of people returning, and I think there's going to be a lot of targets. This is one where when we get into fantasy, it's going to be hard not to take Harris. I would agree with you. If he has time, and again, they've got a pretty decent offensive line. They managed to re-sign everybody. And then there's the question of Sir Vincent Rogers. Is he healthy enough to play this year? Mm -hmm. They've still got him on a contract. So Edmonton's offense, and we know with Milanovic, they'll be able to score. Yep. <laughs> in terms of fantasy, yes, I'd be very interested. Absolutely. Shaq Cooper, for me, was one that's going to continue to play with them. And, uh, you know, if they can establish him in the running game, which, I, I mean, they've obviously, at this point, there's been no signing for Gable. But I think uh, if he's able to establish that running game, again, you're going to see options for Harris and his receivers. Moving across the prairies to Saskatchewan, the Rough Riders, of course, finished first last year and managed to more or less keep the core together. They didn't get to hit too hard with free agency. The only real big deletion on defense, uh, Micah Johnson going to the British Columbia Lions, and, of course, Moncrief heading down to the NFL. They have, uh, I think, signaled to the league that they're happy with what they had. A lot of people, including you and I, feel that they were just one goal pull short of potentially moving on to the Grey Cup. And uh, so they brought their core back, and they must... Uh, be ready to take another run. You know, I think some some solid signings. It shows some faith in the players. 
bringing Otha Foster back out of the blue, it's going to be interesting. And I am also intrigued by the free agent signing of James Franklin. What's your thought on that? Well, I would say five years ago, I would be one of the ones clamoring for him to come with Chris Jones to Saskatchewan, thinking that he would. And he is here now. So we'll see what happens. It really, uh, Harker, you've got to wonder what his future is going to be. It's going to be a competition at camp, no doubt about it. Uh, the one glaring loss I think that they had were two departures on their offensive line, and mm-hmm. that means you've got to draft somebody. Well, it does. Bringing back uh, Josiah St. John, a former number one draft pick, um, when they released him not that long ago thinking he wasn't going to play, it tells me that they're they're lacking on depth. So again, if the draft comes forward, I think Saskatchewan definitely should be looking at some offensive and potentially even defensive line. Uh, you're, you're moving up in age. This is a veteran team now. They've decided to move forward with them, so we're going to see how that works for them in 2020. And the Bombers, of course, the defending Grey Cup champions, they tried to stand pat as best they could. Biggest issue for them was they've lost starting defensive linemen, one to the NFL and two to the Toronto Argonauts. That's right, but the one they did sign is a dominant defensive lineman. Bringing back Willie Jefferson, he is a force to be reckoned with. I think he would have been the most coveted free agent, and they managed to bring him back before he entered free agency. And that that's again, states to me that they're pretty happy with what they have. They had a good run. We've got to remember they did finish third, and they did so because uh, they had an injured quarterback. Now, he has since left. They're starting an injury-prone quarterback, so uh, it's going to be interesting to see how they progress from here. Who is their backup, Don? What do you see is uh, happening out there? That's a great question. I don't know who they've brought in, to be quite honest. <laughs> All I can see is Sean McGuire listed behind Polaris right now. Boy, uh, we, we've seen what happened. Like last year, Saskatchewan, three plays in, Caleros is out for most of the season, um, had an opportunity to come back, and he did really well when he did. I mean, certainly worth the gamble, but I thought that Winnipeg might go after one of the free agents. That is true, but uh, there are days ahead that uh, maybe something will come of it. I mean, Jonathan Jennings is still out there. He is, and I think sometimes you maybe need to do that. A team like Saskatchewan bringing in the veteran uh, quarterback with Franklin, and, and you can only see after last year, all it takes is one play to lose a quarterback, and you do have to have some form of insurance. So I'm, I'm thinking Winnipeg may still take a crack at someone like Jonathan Jennings if the price is right. Um, perhaps they're happy with some of the people that they're developing as well. Third down. So if we look back at the first two days of free agent frenzy, I'll call it, who won, East or West? Oh, I thought you were going to ask a different question. I wasn't prepared for this one. <laughs> um, you know what? I, I, well, we said before, the East really brought in a lot of defensive players. I mean, outside of the signing of Willie Jefferson, I would say that the East has kind of dominated on the defensive signings. Although, I mean, you can argue Micah Johnson went to the West as well. Um, to me, I, I would... I would have to say defensively, it was certainly the Eastern side. I would agree. I think the East really tried to address a lot of need when it came to what they perceived as their issues. And defense clearly was one of them. And they went hard. And it was at the West's expense. A lot of these players are moving East from Western franchises. They are. So, um, you know, if you were to say who won overall in the East, I'm going to be a bit of a contrarian here. And I would say the teams that win are the ones that sometimes um, aren't as active. Now, that's going to contravene what I said earlier about Ottawa. Ottawa wasn't as active. Um, but, but I, I mean, I think Hamilton did a great job of extending people. 
to me, they've done what they want. Uh, wanted to do is keep that core together to make another run, hopefully, this year. And I would also say Montreal is a close second. Toronto could be. They awfully, they signed an awful lot of players, but um, you know it, it remains to be seen whether that's going to make a difference for the Argonauts. I'm going to pick Toronto just because they were bold. They realized that they had to make changes, and they went out and did it. They weren't abashed about doing it. And I think uh, that is going to bode well for them. They still have to figure out what they're going to do at quarterback, but uh, eventually that will be sorted out. And watch out, the Argos could be the team challenging Montreal and Hamilton for first. It will be interesting to see a much more competitive East if things are going to shape up like I think they will. Um, Hopefully they can take a few more games from Western teams, although I'd like to see some more parity. And I think some of these signings have uh, taken at least the defensive strengths over towards the eastern side. Well, you've got new ownership in Montreal, and they want to win. You've got relatively new ownership in Toronto, and they want to win again. And you've got Ottawa, who doesn't really know what it feels like to be an expansion team, and yet that's what they looked like last year. And that is kind of weird for them because they went through a lot of great success over the years, including a Grey Cup win. So you've got three franchises that are ready to go, and, of course, Hamilton on top and they want to finish the job absolutely so i'm going to throw this question right back at you so who do you see being on top in the west i think i would have to give the nod to ed hervey and the bc lions they had need they addressed need they needed offensive linemen to protect riley they got them they needed defensive linemen to change their attack they got them i don't know that they could have done much more with what they had available to them and i think bc in my mind, won out. Granted, they did sign the most players out West, but I I just get the feeling that they really had a a focus of what they wanted to do. Yeah, they they have strengthened, as we mentioned before, they've strengthened both lines. I think that bodes well. But again, I'm going to go back to what I said before. Those teams that didn't do a lot of signings did their homework and brought players back. So it remained to be seen whether continuing to keep players on the team in, in places like Saskatchewan, Winnipeg, and I would say to a certain degree even Calgary. Uh, they've committed to go with the players they have, and uh, I think because they did the work up front, even though they didn't have a lot of signings, they could be the winners of free agency in that reason too. I, I will beg to differ on Winnipeg especially because they gave up Drake Nevis and Craig Rowe out of their defensive line. They're missing their corners that defense is going to look a lot different this year, and that defense is what got them the Grey Cup in the playoffs. Fair enough. You're right. And, uh, you know, Willie Jefferson's a force, but you do have to have everyone else on the field doing, pulling in the same direction. Well, and you need somebody to take a bit of the load off of Willie because if they can double-team Willie and not worry about the rest, Willie's not going to be that effective. Very solid point, and, uh, I mean... Willie can get pressure, but they they need some defensive backs to be able to cover people. There's lots of weapons in the West. And, uh, you know, speaking of that, I think there's there's a lot of weapons in the East as well. So I think it'll be interesting to see how all of these defensive changes on on both sides, but particularly in the East, uh, fall out. Are they going to see solid defensive units and, and or are we going to see more offense this year than we've seen before? Unless there's some dramatic rule change that I'm not aware, I would believe that the defenses are going to start to respond to what happened last year and start to win back their side of the ball. And I really do believe that the East especially just has improved their talent pool 
by an exponential amount, and I think that's going to bode well. And I'm with you. Parity makes the league exciting. Absolutely. Third down gamble. I love football. So there are players that are still left to be signed. We are two days into it, and the second night, basically. And incredibly, Darrell Walker is still out there. One of a, a plethora of offensive players, receivers in particular around the league. I think uh, teams are, are making it known that uh, some players are not going to get the paychecks that they wanted, and I think Walker would be the primary one. I think he's um, definitely priced himself too high, and everyone's waiting on him. I think someone will probably find him in the mid-100s, um, as long as they have cap room. As we go deeper and deeper into the free agency, uh, the cap room is going to be something that plays against some of these players who are sitting out there now. That's right. The longer you wait, the money pool doesn't grow, does shrink. I, I agree with you. I don't know if he's going to go into the mid-ones. I still think he's going to be up around two. But the question is, who's going to take the plunge and do it? Most guess that the Lions are the most interested, mm-hmm. and perhaps that's where he winds up. But you never know. Winnipeg just might shock you. I think it's at a case now where, where whichever team decides he's going to pay him, whether it's 150 to 200 to 1,000, uh, Daryl Walker is going to be someone who's going to cause a team, I think, to have to potentially let someone else go. So, you know, let, let's play that out. If, if, if you're the riders and you want to take a look at bringing someone in like that, you're going to probably have to let go of someone. Is it Kyron Moore? Is it Williams Lambert, like that to me is going to be the question that these GMs are going to have to go because we know Daryl Walker can turn a game in a second. He's a deep threat at receiver. He's, I think, a guaranteed 1,000-yard receiver. But in order to sign him, who do you give up? Well, that's a great question. I mean, with Moore, you've got speed down the sideline. And with, with Lambert, you've got muscle down the middle. So I don't know how you get rid of either of them. They've already sort of parted ways with Roosevelt as it was. It is, and, and that's the same thing for all the teams. I mean, who's ever going to pick him up, they've got to take a look at what they do. Um, you, you mentioned BC, but I'm sure BC has paid Micah Johnson and Riker Matthews a good amount of money as well, as well as a high-priced quarterback. So again, they're at the point, if they're going to move in that direction, who do you let go? So it's, it's a tough question for GMs. They really have to take a look deeply at, will the return of Daryl Walker and his contract make a difference for them. And if not, we'll find Daryl Walker down to the 150s. It's going to matter if who has cap room or the ability to move someone out with backups to come in at a lower price. Ultimately, I think you look at Daryl Walker and you say, how many W's is he worth? Mm-hmm. And if he's worth five or more, you sign him. Yep, and I'm not going to disagree. So let's let's play pick them. Uh, the rest of the list there, and we've got people like Rhymes, we've got Amonte Edwards, we've got uh, running back and Gable. You can keep going down. Roosevelt Smith, uh, Terry Williams, Luke Tasker. We've got a lot of big name receivers and offensive players. Um, if you had your pick of that list and you're a GM with some cap space, who's your number one outside of Daryl Walker? I would lean toward Rodney Smith. I think a big body, uh, a tough inside receiver. He gives you a lot that uh, I don't think the rest do. I, I would like to see him, if I'm a GM, play for my team. You know, that that's interesting because, I, I mean, some of these other players have age working against them a little bit, right? Um, when you bring some young guys in, and Rodney Smith I don't think is that old. Do you, do you know his age offhand? don't believe he's over 30. 
No, I don't either. So I, that would be a great pickup, right? The other guys are going to be able to give you solid receivers. I think, uh, you know, as, as the price goes down again over time, as people aren't picking up, they're going to find that if they want to play, they're going to have to accept a little bit more. So it will be interesting to see how many of these people are going to land contracts and which ones may not even get offers. They might be, you know, a mid-season replacement for an injury. And there's not a lot of names left that are under 30. And mm-hmm. it's a sad thing when you think that a 30-year-old is over the hill Absolutely. in a professional sport. But it's, it's just the way the world is going. Anthony Chaffee is probably the next guy that's got to come off that list, whether he winds up in Edmonton with Thorpe. I don't know. It's so tough to tell because, again, you brought up a great point. You might have to have addition by subtraction. Mm -hmm. And if you're going to go that route, then, wow, what a tough decision to take. Mm -hmm. No, the the other one, I guess, that I would say uh, could potentially come off the board, we're talking about DBs. Jonathan Rose is a cornerback with a lot of experience. Uh, We know there's a lot of people out there who are looking for DBs and potentially that veteran presence if you're going to go with a young group. Injuries could be the issue with him. Same with Corey Greenwood, linebacker of the Stampeders. I mean, racial breaker, but he was hurt last year. Mm -hmm. Yep, and, uh, you know, that that will remain to be seen. So a lot of interesting names out there. Um, You know, outside of that, I'm not sure that there's many that I would go for. If you have a running back injury, I think Gable is certainly someone who's up there, gives you a lot of experience, a very capable ball runner. Um, You know, offensive, Terry Williams is a a change-up, potentially a kick returner. You've got... Someone like Saskatchewan could be in the, in the market for that. Um, you know, it, it's a question of who's out there. Another one, I guess, that, that could add to a defensive line, Toby Antigua. I think he's a bit underrated. He's a big body and, and could certainly uh, bring something to teams in terms of a backup or a relief. And an intimidating presence, Micah Awe. Absolutely. He's still out there. It's amazing to see so many people out there. I mean, we're we're into day two. We've had a lot of signings to talk about, but there's still a number of, I, I think, capable players that a GM could take a look at, at at the right price. There's a few tier one players on that list, a lot of tier two players on that list. And yeah, it's a, as you probably allocated very well, it's all about whether you've got room to do it. So we've had a couple arguments here, Don. Uh, you and I don't see eye to eye, but uh, it's going to be interesting as we move forward and head into uh, you know these last few signings, but also as we move to the uh, draft and, and see what teams are going to pick up there and what's going to come when we get into training camp. Thank you for listening to our show. Third Down Gamble is hosted on Podbean. Third Down Gamble can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. Follow us on Twitter at Third Down Gamble. Our thanks to Travis of the Two In Out CFL podcast and Andrew and Mike of the Eskimo Empire podcast for their great help and advice getting our podcast launched. Join us again next week. Third Down Gamble podcast, audio worth watching.